are we today right so chapter 64 we are doing deliverance of king narga and uh, these are short stories uh, from now onwards for some time when the next one would be uh, lord balrama's visit to vrindavan so first let us do uh, you know chapter 64 from the shrimad bhagavatam the deliverance of king narga till yesterday we had done how banasura got killed or rather he does, doesn't get killed how he is defeated uh, because he is under the guidance of shivji and then there is a big fight between krishna and shivji so in that fight krishna wins and banasura is having only four arms left and he is supposed to be an eternal person so now this time it is the deliverance of king narga Shri Bhadrayani said, <clears throat> O King, one day Samba, Pradyumna, Charu, Bhanu, Gada and other young boys of the Yudha dynasty went to the small forest to play. After playing for a long time, they became thirsty. As they searched for water, they looked inside a dry well and saw a very peculiar creature. <clears throat> the boys were astonished to behold this creature, a lizard who looked like a hill. They felt sorry for it and tried to lift it out of the well. They caught onto the trapped lizard with leather thongs and then with woven ropes, but still could not lift it out. So they went to Lord Krishna and excitedly told him about the creature. So alien beings, huh? <laughs> so yeah, alien beings over there, very strange uh, lizard-like creatures. <clears throat> the lotus-eyed supreme lord. maintainer of the universe went to the well and saw the lizard then with his left hand he easily lifted it out touched by the hand of the glorious supreme lord the being at once gave up its lizard form and assumed the residence of a heaven so it's not a lizard at all it's somebody who has been put in that particular form his complexion was beautifully colored like molten gold and he was adorned with wonderful ornaments clothes and garlands <clears throat> Lord Krishna understood the situation but to inform people in general he inquired as follows Who are you O greatly fortunate one seeing your excellent form I think you must surely be an exalted demigod So <clears throat> though the divine lord has a clear understanding about the entire things that are going around him as well as the universe <clears throat> yet the way in which krishna puts it across is he behaves like a very normal person imagine the lord has touched that creature and that creature has turned into a godly being and then he is asking who are you doesn't it sound very silly to a person ki of course the person who has touched it may definitely know who that person is and uh, that is the divinity isn't it but for every other person to understand it is important to give an explanation or to make a statement to give a full background about the whole issue <clears throat> so the lord asks that particular lizard you know the creature who is now from the lizard to a heavenly person who are you and what are you doing over here <clears throat> who are you o great fortunate one seeing your excellent form 
आई थिंक यू श्योरली मज बी एन एग्जॉल्टेड डेमी गॉड सॉरी बाय वॉट पास्ट एक्टिविटीज वर यू ब्रॉड इन दिस कंडीशन इट सीम्स यू डिड नॉट डिजर्व सच अ फेट ओ गुड सोल वी आर ईगर टू नो अबाउट यू सो प्लीज इन्फॉर्म अस अबाउट योर सेल्फ इफ दैट इज यू थिंक दिस इज अ प्रॉपर टाइम एंड प्लेस टू टेल अस सो द लॉर्ड इज वेरी जनरस अबाउट हिज वे एंड अप्रोच एंड कृष्णा हैज दिस यूनिक मैथडोलॉजी ऑफ अप्रोचिंग एन इंडिविजुअल एंड सेंग डू यू रियली हैव द टाइम डू यू हैव द टाइम टू गिव अस योर स्टोरी सो कैन यू प्लीज टेल अस अबाउट इट सुखदेव गोस्वामी सेट एम सॉरी दस क्वेश्चन बाय कृष्णा whose forms are unlimited the king his helmet as dazzling as the sun bowed down to lord madhava and replied as follows king narga said i am a king known as narga the son of ishwaku perhaps lord you have heard of me when lists of charitable men are recited so he is telling the lord i am the son of ishwaku ishwaku is the remember if you remember he is the He is the first person or particular dynasty from whom a particular dynasty has come from. So he says, "I am the son of Ishwaku, and I was known as a very, very charitable person. What could possibly be unknown to you, O Master? With vision undisturbed by time, you witness the minds of all living beings. Nevertheless, on your order, I will speak." That. particular individual that's king narga is also very gracious about it he says since you have instructed me i shall speak about it i give in charity as many cows as there are grains of sand on the earth stars in the heaven or drops in a rain shower that means i have been a very very charitable person young brown milk laden cows who were well behaved beautiful and endowed with good qualities who were all acquired honestly and who had gilded horns silver plated hoofs and decorations of fine ornamental cloth and garlands such were the cows along with their calves that i gave in charity so he says that he has been an extremely charitable person he has given cows and so many things you know so he is describing what he has done i first honored the brahmanas who were recipients of my charity by decorating them with fine ornaments those most exalted brahmanas whose families were in need were young and possessed of excellent character and qualities they were dedicated to truth famous for their austerity vastly learned in the vedic scriptures and saintly in their behavior i gave them cows land gold and houses along with horses elephants and marriageable girls with maid servants as well as sesame silver fine beds clothing jewelry furniture and chariots in addition i performed vedic sacrifices and executed various pious welfare activities now charity in our normal world we say charity begins at home but it begins outside as well so we need to first and foremost the recipient of charity needs to be an extremely deserveable person you know how we look at charity we look at charity from the point of view that okay there is somebody on the road 
and I need to give him 5 rupees or 10 rupees. A small amount, a token amount is given to that person. And then we go back to our companies and the company says, you need to give at least 10,000 rupees from your salary, annual salary towards a charitable cause which we have identified. The company has a very strange way of doing charity. It has identified places and locations or people whom they think are the most charitable thing, places to give. Charity is not like that. Charity is not an institutionalized thing. You cannot say that I do a billion dollars in charity to people who like say for example something for Africa, something for the Middle East or whatever, you know, I don't know. Now there is Afghanistan and there are so many other places or maybe Borneo or some such type of a place or maybe, uh, you know, a backward region. This is corporate charity and corporate charity has nothing to do with your charitable nature. You are forcibly taking out your salary and giving it to them. It is not worth doing any charity of any kind. Charitable things can be done right from the way it is mentioned in the scriptures. You will find that in all our ancient scriptures it is mentioned. Food. That's the most important thing. Clothing. Shelter. And so on and so forth. It goes in that order. You have to do charity from food, then next is clothing, then is shelter. And here it is mentioned, first and foremost, charity has to be given to the people, those who are deserving. Now in this case, the king has done charity to the brahmanas, the knowers of Brahma, the spiritual people. Now, spiritual people are today not treated like that. They are looked upon as a pariah, a dog which is there in the, on the roadside. People are not looked upon like they should be done any charity to. Now, it is all about food, is it? isn't it? They may come and ask you just for a small morsel of food. But we think that they are doing something wrong. Now, but we are interested in doing charity to places where we get to give a small speech. We get to be seen in the society in, with some you know, uh, thing in hand and maybe a certificate saying, Oh, this person has done charity. That is not charity. That you are doing your public relations uh, you know, exercise. So don't, don't get into those kind of things. We should really do a charity. That means what is mentioned over here are the most important things. Once a cow belonging to a certain first class brahmana wandered away and entered my herd. Unaware of this, I gave that cow in charity to a different brahmana. When the cow's first owner saw her being led away, he said, She is mine. The second brahmana, who had accepted her as gift, replied, No, she is mine. Narga gave her to me. As the two brahmanas argued, each trying to fulfill his own purpose, they came to me. One of them said, You gave me this cow. And the other said, You stole her from me. Hearing this, I was bewildered. Finding myself in a terrible dilemma, concerning my duty in the situation, I humbly entreated both the brahmanas 
I will give 100,000 of the best cows in exchange for this one. Please give her back to me. Your good self should be merciful to me, your servant. I do not know what I was doing. Please save me from this difficult situation or I will surely fall into a filthy hell. The present owner of the cow said, I don't want anything in exchange for this cow, O king, and went away. Dada Brahmana declared, I don't want even 10,000 more cows than your offering, and he too went away. Now look at it. Both these people are at the receiving end. They are poor. They are Brahmanas. They are supposed to be knowers of truth. And yet, where it's a matter of ownership, they are showing ownership in this. Doesn't it teach us that this is something which the material worldly people do? <clears throat> they take ownership of things. This is mine, this is yours. And ego, a fantastic ego has come into place. I don't want to part with this one cow. Imagine you are being given a hundred thousand cows and still the person says, I don't want to part with this cow. The other person says, even if you give me tens of thousands of cows, I don't want any of those cows. I want mine only. How can anybody say something is mine? It doesn't belong to you. Nothing belongs to an individual in this world. But yet, human beings believe that they have a chapa, you know, ownership. They have got a paper, they have got a document to prove this is mine. It sounds very strange. The present owner of the cow said, I don't want anything in exchange for this cow. O king and went away. The other brahmana declared, I don't want even 10,000 more cows than what you are offering. And he too went away. Both are sitting very, very tightly. They are, they are very egoistic in nature. O lord of lords, O master of the universe, the agent of Yamaraja, taking advantage of the opportunity thus created, later carried me to his abode. There Yamraja himself questioned me. <clears throat> Yamraja said, My dear king, do you wish to experience the results of your sins first or those of your piety? Indeed, I see no end of this dutiful charity you have performed or to your consequent enjoyment in the radiant heavenly planets. I replied, First of my lord, let me suffer my sinful reactions. And Yamraja said, then fall. And I once I fell and while falling I saw myself becoming a lizard, O Master. Now this brings us to a very interesting and an important topic. What is karma? Now, we always believe that I have done something good. If I have done something good, I deserve to be paid back in good only. But, this particular activity in this case, you know, where the, Bra the Brahmana's cow which came and mingled with the other cows is not a fault of the king. And yet, when he parts away with the cow and gives it to somebody else, why is this king, King Narga, supposed to suffer for something which he has done unknowingly? He doesn't know about it. He has absolutely no clue that this cow was belonging to somebody else. And yet when he hands it over to another person, this 
activity is supposed to be a sinful reaction. Isn't it a very strange act where we unknowingly you are doing something and you have to suffer for it? This is something which hardly anybody can understand. Why and wherefore these questions have arisen? Why this kind of a curse? Why this kind of a problem? Why do I need to suffer from this kind of a thing? And there Yamraj is also saying you have to you know, suffer for this. What is the meaning of this? So once we come to the end of this chapter we shall see. O Keshava, as your servant I am devoted to the Brahmanas and generous to them and I always hankered for your audience. <clears throat> Therefore, even till now I have never forgotten my past lives. O Almighty One, how is it that my eyes see you be here before me? You are the Supreme Soul, whom the greatest masters of mystic yoga can meditate upon within their pure hearts only by employing the spiritual eye of the Vedas. Then how, O transcendental Lord, are you directly visible to me? Since my intelligence has been blinded by severe tribulations of material life. Only one who has finished his material entanglement in the world will be able to see you. A very very beautiful observation. People are entangled in their material life. That is, they are bothered about their family, their relatives, their houses, their children, their mothers, fathers. They are, they are bothered about earning money, they are bothered about jobs and how to live in this world and I have to earn so much and I have to do this and I have to do that. Till all these material engagements are there, a person can never see God. They can only see God if they leave everything. This is the truth. The Divine Lord can only be experienced when you have given up everything. Which King Narga is clearly defining. These are spiritual texts. Even if you go to any other text, you will find this is the same thing. Remember Buddha. Buddha has given up his family. He has given up his relationships. He has given up his kingdom. He has given up his father. He has given up his child. He had a son called Rahula. He had given up everything. He just wore a pair of clothing and walked barefoot and went away searching for this divine. And then only he was able to see the divine. So as far as Buddha is concerned, Buddha could only become divine after he gave up every material things. That is all kinds of material entanglements. Now let us move on to Jesus. The Bible. You will find that even in the Bible, the same thing is mentioned. Jesus had to move away from his material worldly objectives. He was a son of Mary and Joseph. He had brothers and sisters. He was living a life of a carpenter. And he had to give it up. And then he disappeared. When he came back, he never went back to his family. He was independent. He went out in the material world and started preaching the word of God. 
his father in heaven. Then he met his disciple. To his disciple also he said the same thing. Please come and walk with me. It's only when they were able to do this that they could see the true Jesus, they could see the true God. Buddha could see the true God. Same way King Narga is saying to Sri Krishna, he says, today when I have given up everything in this material world, I am so happy to see you. And this is a true statement. Only one who has finished his material entanglements in this world will be able to see you. Only that person will be able to see the divine. O Deva Deva, Jagannatha, Govinda, Purushottama, Narayana, Rishikesha, Purneshloka, Achyuta, Avyaya, O Krishna, please permit me to depart from this world of demigods. Wherever I live, O Master, may my mind always take shelter at your feet. I offer my repeated obeisance unto you, Krishna, the son of Vasudev. You are the source of all beings, the supreme absolute truth, the possessor of unlimited potencies, the master of all spiritual disciplines. Having spoken thus, Maharaj Narga circumambulated Lord Krishna and touched his crown to the Lord's feet. Granting permission to depart, King Narga then boarded a wonderful celestial aeroplane as all the people present looked on. The Supreme Personality of Godhead Lord Krishna, the son of Devaki, who is especially devoted to the Brahmanas and who embodies the essence of religion, thus spoke to his personal associates and thus instructed the royal class in general. Lord Krishna said, How indigestible is the property of a Brahmana, even when enjoyed just slightly and by one more potent than fire? What then to speak of kings who try to enjoy it, presuming themselves the lords? I do not consider halahala to be a real poison because it's an antidote. But a Brahmana's property, when stolen, can truly be called poison, for it has no antidote in this world. Poison kills only the person who ingests it, and an ordinary fire may be extinguished with water. But the fire generated from the kindling wood of Brahmana's property burns the thief's entire family down to the roots. If a person enjoys a Brahmana's property without receiving due permission, that property destroys three generations of his family. But if he takes it by force and gets the government or other outsiders to help him absorb it, then ten generations of the ancestors and ten generations of his descendants are all destroyed. I shall explain this to you. Members of the royal order, blinded by royal opulence, fail to foresee their own downfall childishly hankering to enjoy a brahmana's property and actually hankering to go to hell. For as many years as there are particles of dust, touched by the tears of generous brahmanas who have dependent families and whose property is stolen, uncontrolled king who observe a brahmana's property are cooked along with their royal families in the hell known as Kumbhapika. Whether it is his own gift or someone else's, a person who steals a brahmana's property will take birth as a worm in the feces for 60,000 years. <laughs> That's a very, very dangerous thing to do. <laughs> I do not desire brahmana's wealth. Those who lust after it become short-lived and are defeated. 
they lose their kingdom and become snakes who trouble others my dear followers never treat a learned brahmana harshly even if he has sinned even if he attacks you physically or repeatedly curses you always continue to offer him obeisances just as always considerably carefully bow down to brahmanas and so all of you should likewise do bow down to them i will punish anyone who acts otherwise when a brahmana's property is stolen even unknowingly it certainly causes the person who takes it to fall down just as the brahmana's cow did to narga having thus instructed the residents of dwarka lord mukunda purifier of the world entered his palace so we shall do the story now and i shall give you the explanation of the why and the wherefores of the karma that occurred now let us look at it from this point of view first and foremost what is written in this beautiful story the brahmana's property can never be taken who is the brahmana brahmana is the knower of truth remember this all the sages all the saints all the Brah- they are called brahmanas they are the knowers of truth they understand the truth they are the ones who can be the true knowledge givers people who extend knowledge to people brahmanas doesn't mean somebody who recites the um, the shastras or the vedas by heart even a tape recorder or even a cd player can do the same it's not that a cd player cannot give an explanation of what it is saying by the way see i'm sure you have heard all these beautiful songs that are there okay now there is a very big controversy about a, a song which beyonce has sang sang recently okay and everybody is wondering what the lyrics are so let us say if i take a, a dvd or a, a vcd or whatever of that song and i play it do you think that the explanation will be there when it is replayed no explanation we don't even know it's only that i will have to go to the person who has written the song or the one who is saying it maybe she will be able to understand and answer me maybe the reason is maybe the reason is because knowledge is not there it's only the knowers of truth the knowers of that knowledge are called brahmanas the knower of brahma who are the knowers of brahma the knowers of brahma are those who have the knowledge about the divine right let us say there is a brahmana there is a person who is a sage and this sage has a cow and the cow is robbed by a king uh this story is very familiar isn't it this story is also like the kamadenu which was with parshuram's father and it got robbed by the king the king of hayaya his name is sahasrar arjun so think about it anybody who takes the property of the brahmana 10 generations past and 10 generations in the future they will all have to suffer for 50000 years becoming the worm in the feces i am sorry that is a very dirty thing to do <laughs> so <laughs> it's a very strange kind of a thing and maybe suffer in hell as well so what it means is this knowledge which is called the cow the holy cow 
the holy cow is also the knowledge cannot be taken for free or cannot be distributed or cannot be robbed from a person so there are lots of people who come and who take things things which they take and they think that they have paid that much amount now imagine look at it from this point of view there is a guru okay now he is imparting certain knowledge and you think that there is a particular uh, you know fee structure like they have in colleges and schools and all okay as per the fee structure we should pay the, <laughs> the teacher x amount of money no it is nothing like that anything that is taken without the knowledge of that person is robbing that person especially the brahmanas especially the sages and the saints we cannot take in a single thing from there just like that and then use it in the material world how do they use it in the material world by imparting the same knowledge to somebody else or by giving that thing which they it doesn't belong to them to somebody else you cannot do that kind of a thing you need permissions you need to pay for that particular thing so it is an extremely important thing that we should know that we don't take anything free we need to pay for that kind of a knowledge that is coming to us the brahmana's cow brahmana's cow it's called the holy cow like i told you so what krishna is trying to tell you over here that you may be a king you may think it's your birth right to get this kind of a knowledge oh you know my father is the chairman of this college and all the education is free as far as i am concerned that is not a done thing again you may think that you are you know taking a particular sage and you are putting him in your house and in your house the sage is sitting over there and imparting knowledge to people don't you be under the impression that you need to be paid for that that is not a done thing the brahmana has to be asked what is the dakshana what is it that you need that has to be given you cannot take anything free away from them so this is as far as this book is concerned i hope you understand this now we come to the aspect called karma now karma is very very unique karma happens knowingly and unknowingly it happens by oversight also sometimes unknowingly we say certain things about a person that person may be good but we don't know and we assume that just because that person is in that place we say certain words to that person all right now let me give you one example now today there is a person who has said now in mumbai there is a lady now she just went about saying i am going to enter a monument in mumbai which is very very religious in nature and that is called haji ali haji ali is a is it's it's an it's a very tiny place in the middle of the sea in the ocean and it's a dargah 
this lady went to a place called Shingnapur. Now Shingnapur, there is a rule which says, you know, women are not allowed inside that place. There is a black stone over there and people call it Shani Maharaj. There is a statue type of a thing, you know, monument. Everybody prays to it. The women are told that there is is a fence and they cannot go inside that and pray. So she took an entire battalion of women and entered that zone. Now there she was allowed to enter. Allowed means she forced her entry. But the same when she is trying in Haji Ali, she was taken more than 7-8 kilometers and told you go and stand over there and do your protest. You are not allowed to enter that particular domain because it's a Muslim saint's place. Now these are certain things which are disallowed. Now whether she is doing it knowingly or unknowingly, she is doing certain things and there is a definitive karma associated with it. Some people, they say, oh, we are feminist. I will support that woman. You are trying to support a cause. Now that cause, you may not even know where this Shani Shingnapur is. You don't even know from Adam where this place is. And yet you are supporting certain things. Nobody has known, I mean, there are people in this world, they don't know about Haji Ali. And yet they are supporting this person saying, no, no, everybody should be allowed to enter. This is something which a person doesn't understand. That knowingly or unknowingly, they are creating a karma. So in the physical world, they think that it's like a liberation, it's like a great thing to do. There is no sanction by the way for doing that. Now let us see from the other point of view. Okay. Now in the in Americas there is a very great place, North Carolina. I am giving a little bit of background. Okay. In North Carolina there is a law which is enacted that women have to go in their own bathroom and the men have to go in their bathroom. So the question which arose is what happens to the other genders? Which bathrooms are they supposed to go to? You know, in India also there is a big problem. We don't know how the whole thing works. Now let us say somebody from this other gender enters the women's bathroom. Now that is against the law. Imagine a man trying to enter a woman's bathroom. That person will go to jail. Similarly, a woman can enter a man's bathroom. So, aren't there places in this world which are restrictive in nature? You can't enter White House. No, no, I am a citizen of America. I am free to travel anywhere in the world. I can be allowed inside White House. I am a citizen of India. Nobody can stop me going to the governor's bungalow or to the prime minister's office. It's a restricted place. 
likewise navy installations and military installations and uh, you know space research all these places do you think anybody can enter over there so there are specific permissions likewise there are permissions even in religion even in this kind of society there are permissions you need to take but if there is no permission there we cannot enter so forcibly if somebody tries to do this there is a karma being enacted over there and that karma definitely has repercussions in the n number of lives that may come after that so knowingly or unknowingly we should not get into this kind of things got it so in our world also the sages are least interested in that they are focused in their own world which is getting lost in their own self they are not interested in getting into any kind of controversy so whether a male is entering a female toilet or a female is entering a male toilet they'll say what am i to do it doesn't concern me i am lost in the divine right or if the lady wants to uh, uh, go inside in a shani singhnapur place or she wants to go to haji ali is it does it matter to me no to whom so ever it matters they will take the issue up why am i bothered about it so the spiritual people need not get involved in any of these things so remain neutral don't bother your head about all those whys and the wherefores and try to become a rebel and all that kind of things don't even bother about it so the karma happens knowingly or unknowingly the more you dwell into the material world the more karmas you are doing you think you are doing charity do you think you are doing all kinds of great public service think about it think think i want you to think from a very different perspective hmm and what are the perspectives the perspectives are very very unique there are certain people who are told okay we will support you there is somebody who is protesting in hong kong is a 21 year old boy now this boy he started that umbrella revolution in hong kong china says hong kong is our property this man says no we need to have liberation we don't want to be associated with china who is right is china right or is this man right so the whole world is trying to support this fellow because he seems to be like a very tiny guy you know so everybody is bothered about the person who is not having such a great strength so we are always talking about the underdog in our life isn't it so he has become a great underdog he just a student so he becomes a great underdog and there is a state against it a spiritual person need not get involved in any of these things a spiritual person needs to be only lost in his own world remember the line which i did i don't know whether you remember the line let me re- you know retrace back it for you do you know what that line says only one who has finished his material entanglements in this world should be able to see you all this that i said all this time whether it is shani singhnapur or whether it is 
Haji Ali, whether it is Hong Kong, whether it is North Carolina, whether it is China or whatever that I said are material entanglements. The more you use your mind in material entanglements, you are going to be always trapped in this material world. Think about it. So you need to be only bothered about the spiritual and you need to be only focused in doing your duty. Your natural duty. What is your natural duty? You know, time pass karne ke liye log dusra kaam karte. I'm sorry, I'm taking Hindi. But put at it this way. Now you are working for an organization and you are very focused in your job. In spare time, I want to save the world. In spare time, I want to save the world. So there are these great people who will say, I will save the world. I will do social service. I will do this. I will do that. In my spare time. What are you talking about? In your spare time, you want to do social service. The Lord is very clear. If you are a carpenter, do the job of a carpenter. If you are a sailor, be a sailor. You got what I am saying? Right? If you are a policeman, be a policeman. If you are an architect, be an architect. If you are an engineer, be an engineer. Right? That is your natural duty. You are supposed to be doing your duty. No, when I have spare time, I will go and save the world. There is no need. God has made specific people for saving the world also. Let them do their job. No, why are you bothered about doing somebody else's job? If you want to do charity, you do. That's your problem. But the idea about trying to be somebody else and not focusing in your own world is a wrong thing. You have got your own world around you. Just focus in that world. Around you, there are people whom you think deserve help. Give them help. No doubt about it. Please do that. Doesn't mean going to some other third world country. Papua New Guinea. You know why? First and foremost, you don't even know where Papua New Guinea is. Guinea. Does anybody know where it is? No. Nobody knows. Somewhere in the ocean, some place is there. What is the population of an island as big as Australia? The New Guinea? You know, half a million. Only half a million people stay over there. And what does it have? Forests and forests and forests and forests. There are different kinds of birds. There are different kinds of birds. You can go into YouTube and see a 3-4 hour film on the different birds and the habitats over there. So I want to save those tribals over there. We also have the tribal with big earrings and you know all those kind of things. Who are they you know? Your own neighbors may be like that. They are worse than tribals you know no? They need help. And you want to go to those Oh, I want to go to the Maori tribe somewhere in some place. Forget about all that. Can you not help your people around you? 
So charity begins there, not somewhere else. Charity begins near home. <laughs> not charity begins at, with me. Yes, first you help yourself, no doubt about it. First you get out of this mindset of yours and help yourself. So understand this, spiritual people are not at all involved in anything because they are detached. They don't get involved in all these kind of things. They are only focused in their swadharma, doing the duty which they are instructed to do. Got it? You are only supposed to be doing that particular duty. Just do that duty and do it 100%. So this is the explanation for this particular king. So I hope you understood how this karma affects. Right? So we will do chapter 65 and then we will stop. Again it's a small chapter. Lord Balram visits Vrindavan. Sukhdev Goswami said, O best of Kurus, once Lord Balram, eager to visit his well-wishing friends, mounted his chariot and travelled to Nanda Gokula. Remember, Krishna has never gone over there back again. Never, never after that. After he leaves that place. Now you will ask me, why is it? Think about it like this. You know, you were staying in some location somewhere during your school days. How many times have you gone back there? Never. Most of the people will say, I have never gone there. So suppose I was staying in Mumbai. How many times do you think I would have gone to the place where I used to stay earlier? Hardly any. So again, we have not gone back there. We have not even gone back to the hospital where we were born. Unless and until you want to deliver your child over there. And you think you have some nostalgia over there. Yes, I want my baby to be born in this particular hospital. Bade logo ka hospital hai isliye. <laughs> Nobody goes. But Balram wants to visit this place. Krishna has never gone. Balram is now visiting this Vrindavan. Having long suffered their anxiety of separation, the coward men and their wives embraced Lord Balram. The Lord then offered respect to his parents and joyfully greeted with prayers. Think, the parents also they have not visited. Krishna has never gone back to his parents to visit them. Mm-hmm. They might go to his place, one of these days. Nanda and Yashoda prayed, O descendant of Dasara, O Lord of the universe and you and your younger brother Krishna ever protect us. Saying this, they raised Sri Balrama onto their lap, embraced him and moistened him with tears of their in their eyes. Lord Balrama then play, paid proper respect to cowherd, elder cowherd men and the younger ones all greeted him respectfully. He met them all with smiles, handshakes and so on, dealing personally with each one according to age, degree of friendship and family relationship. Then after resting, the Lord accepted a comfortable seat and they all gathered around him. With voices faltering of love for him, this cowherd who had dedicated themselves to Lotra-eyed Krishna asked about the health of their dear ones in Dwarka and Balrama in turn asked about the cowherd's welfare. It's a natural thing, you know, when you go meet your old friends and say, Hello, how are you? How are things with you? After that you get, go away from that place. And do you ever think you are again going to repeat that whole process? You hardly do. We are so much attached to our own places, our people in the material world that we want to keep on visiting that place again and again and again and the people also sometimes you know look at Krishna 
Krishna is completely detached person. He is gone back to Dwarka. He is never going back to Vrindavan again. So as a person, what is the teaching over here? It is not important to keep on attachments to those kind of places. No need. Where you are, that place is important. So you are in Singapore. So take, make that place as important. You can come once in a while to the place where you are staying, you know, where you used to live earlier. But your attachment or your thing should not be there like, you know, oh, I clinging to these kind of things. Krishna is showing you this path. Don't cling to those kind of places or the people concerned. Remember, here he is talking about his parents also. So, the coward said, Oh Rama, are all our relatives doing well? And Rama, do all of us wish your wives and children still remember us? It's our great fortune that sinful Kamsa had been killed and our dear relatives freed. And it is also our good fortune that our relatives have killed and defeated their enemies and found complete security in a great fortress. Sukhdev Goswami continued, Honored to have the personal audience of Lord Balrama, the young gopi smiled and asked him, Is Krishna the darling of the city women living happily? Now, that is something which we have always done, you know. Somebody who is an apple of the eye. Bula, sab ladki log koi yaan pe patata. Toh udar bhi jake hoi kar raha hai kya? We all have a chapa in our life, is it? Oh, this fellow, he was he had an eye for all beautiful girls, okay. Is he doing the same thing over there also? <laughs> That's how they are asking. Does he remember his family members, especially his father and mother? Do you think he will ever come back even once to see his mother? And does the mighty arm Krishna remember the service he always did for him? And these are very, very typical questions. Krishna has never gone back to visit his parents. He has never gone back to the place. Never. Because he is in this place where he is supposed to be. For Krishna's sake, or descendant of the Sara, we abandoned our mothers, fathers, brothers, husbands, children and sisters. Even though these family relations are different, difficult to keep up. But now, O oh Lord, the same Krishna has suddenly abandoned us and gone away, breaking all the affectionate ties with us. And yet, how could any woman fail to trust his promise? So this is, this is a very, very important question again they are asking. Krishna is known for this kind of a thing. He has left his parents and disappeared. He has left all these people in Vrindavan and gone away. Okay? And again, there are newer and newer people out there who are making association with him. Do you think this kind of a person will be keeping his word? It's a big question. How can intelligent city women possibly trust the words of one whose heart is so unsteady and who is so ungrateful? They must believe him because he speaks so wonderfully and also because his beautiful smiling glances arouse their lust. So all the people are very very hurt. They are hurt that Krishna has never ever come back to them again. So they are asking this question to Balram and saying, See, this fellow is a very smart character. You know, the way he looks and the way he smiles and the way he talks, all women fall for him. And But he is a cheat. He has come and cheated us. He has never come back to us again. Look at him. And here, newer and newer people are falling for him. 
Why bother talking about him, dear gopis? Please talk something else. If he passes his time without us, then we shall similarly pass ours without him. So the people over there are saying, Oh, he doesn't care for us. We don't care for him too. We also have other important things to do in our world. <laughs> While speaking these words, the young coward woman remembered Lord Sauri's laughter, his pleasing conversations with them, his attractive glances, his style of walking and his loving embraces. Thus they began to cry. The Supreme Lord Balrama, the attractor of all, being expert at various kinds of conciliations, consoled the gopis by relaying to them the confidential message Sri Krishna had sent to them. This message is deeply touched the gopis' hearts. Lord Balram, the personality of Godhead, resided there for two months of Madhu and Madhava and during the nights he gave his coward girlfriends conjugal pleasure. In the company of numerous women, Lord Balrama enjoyed in a garden of Yamuna river. This garden was bathed in the rays of full moon and caressed by breeze bearing the fragrance of the night-blooming lotuses. Sent by the demigods Varuna, the divine Varuni liquor flowed from a tree hollow and made the entire forest even more fragrant with a sweet aroma. The wind carried to Balrama the fragrance of the flood of the sweet liquor when he smelled it and he went to the tree. There he and his female companions drank it. As the Gandharva sang his glories, Lord Balram enjoyed within the brilliant circle of young women, he appeared just like Indra's elephant, the Lord Airavat, enjoying in the company of she-elephants. At that time, kettle drums resounded in the sky, the Gandharvas joyfully rained down flowers and the great sages praised the Lord Balrama's heroic deeds. And his deeds were sung, Lord Halayuddha, Hala, Hala means you know, uh, the plough, plough, P-L-O-U-G-N, Yuddha. Person who uses plough as a weapon, so that is Balram, wandered as if innerbated among the various forests with his girlfriends. His eyes rolled from the effect of liquor. Intoxicated with joy, Lord Balram sported flower garlands, including the famous Vaijanti. He wore a single earring and beads of perspiration, decorated his smiling lotus face like snowflakes. Single earring. Fashion statement. Imagine. Balram also is known for fashion statements. Ek earring dalke style bachi. Hmm? The Lord then summoned the Yamuna river so that he could play in the waters. But she disregarded his command, thinking he was drunk. This angered Balram and he began dragging the river with his tip of his plough. Lord Balram said, O sinful one disrespecting me, you do not come when I call you, but rather move only in your own whim. Therefore, with the tip of the plough, I shall bring you here in hundred streams. Sukhdev Goswami continued, The scolded by the Lord, O King, the frightened river goddess Yamuna, came and fell at the feet of Sri Balram and beloved descendants of Yadu. Tremblingly, she spoke to him the following words. Goddess Yamuna said, Rama Rama, O mighty arm one, I know nothing about your progress. With single portion of yourself, you hold up the earth, O Lord of the universe. So, Another story which is talking about the prowess. My Lord, please release me, O soul of the universe. I didn't understand your position as the Supreme God. But now I have surrendered unto you and you are always kind to your devotees. Sukhdev Goswami continued. Thereupon Lord Balram released the Yamuna and like the king of the elephants with the entourage of sea elephants, entered the river's water with his female companions. 
the lord played in the water to his full satisfaction and when he came out of the goddess kanti presented him with blue garments precious ornaments and brilliant necklaces lord balram dressed himself in blue garments and put on the gold necklace anointed with fragrance and beautifully adorned he appeared as resplendent as indra's royal elephant even today o king one can see how yamuna flows through the many channels created when it was dragged by the unlimited power powerful lord balram thus she demonstrated his prowess thus for lord balram all the nights passed like a single night and he enjoyed in raja his mind enchanted by the exquisite charm and the beauty of raja's young ladies now you you will definitely want to know what is this story all about iska matlab kya hai okay let me give it to you from a different perspective of sri krishna himself only those who do not understand the true meaning of the scriptures will feel like a normal human beings they will think that krishna has deserted them krishna is called the soul the divine being the supreme divine consciousness which is within us human beings feel that the lord has deserted them on the contrary the lord can never desert that person every human being is having that divinity in them but they are not able to see they cannot understand the true nature of the divine lord they are looking at some physical entity they are looking at some physical being saying that that is krishna krishna is not a physical being no way he is the spiritual being remember the verse where it said that only those who can give up all the material attachments can see krishna that is why king narga gets to see krishna isn't it if you are attached to your family your relatives your place your land your location your cows your this your that you think you can ever meet the lord no krishna can never be met by people who are attached in the material world to see krishna in your midst within you you need to become spiritual in nature and see him within you so when all these people of brindavan they are complaining to balram they have become purely human beings though they can remember their past time with krishna but they have forgotten that krishna lives within them remember the promise of krishna the promise of krishna is i will never leave brindavan and go away even today today after thousands and thousands of years those who truly want to experience krishna you need to go to vrindavan have the pure divine love and you will meet your krishna over there similarly jesus has never left the land over there the holy land as they call it go with all the love in the world and you will meet jesus in the same way buddha has never left that place where he is come from you have to go with your 
true love you will find him there likewise in us if we have true love for the divine we will see the divinity within us this chapter speaks about how to recognize and re- release release you know that bondage which we have with our body and see the divine realize the true divine and that is why it is called self realization realizing your own being which is the true god by itself and that is the vrindavan that is the holy land that is a place where you can meet your jesus your buddha or your krishna you can meet him over there and balram's enjoyment with all the ladies over there and going to all the rivers and doing all those things maybe next time i shall explain to you <laughs> with a little twist in it tab tak ke liye hame aagya dijiye like that <laughs> we have reached the end of this so i shall stop over here